1: Welcome to the Mike Smith Show podcast. This is your one stop shop for all the latest happenings in BC, from breaking news and developing stories to giving the big headlines a closer look. The Mike Smith Show is here to keep you dialed in and up to date. Let's begin. We start today, though, with the big news in politics here. BC United MLA, Ellis Ross. He is jumping to federal politics. Now he will run for Pierre Polyev's conservative party. I've got Ellis Ross standing by to discuss here. Now, I think this is bad news for Kevin Falcon, the leader of the BC United party. He loses one of his star MLAs here. Have a listen to Falcon here, putting the best spin on it here. It's sad and it's happy at the same time. Sad because I hate losing a great colleague like Ellis, but happy because your message and your fight for LNG and natural resources is going to go to Ottawa where it belongs. Okay, so he says it's sad but happy to lose Ellis Ross. I think it's happy for the federal conservatives. Ellis Ross joins me now. BC United, MLA for Skeena. Hi, Ellis. Thanks for coming on today.
2: Thanks for having me, Mike. Good
1: to be back. I appreciate it a lot. Okay, Alice. Big news here. I, these conservatives were after you for a long time, though, right? How long did they go? How long were they courting
2: you? Oh, uh, well, at least six years, because that <laughs> was the original plan when I was the chief council of Heisman Nation. The original plan was to actually run for MP, but uh, the provincial election came first, and uh, I actually uh, agreed with Christy Clark that I should run for the BC Liberals at the time. Okay, how did they convince you to make this switch? What did have say to you? it wasn't actually a polyev. it was a member of his teams I've always kept up a conversation with uh, conservatives uh, guys like uh, Bob Zimmer and uh, MPs from BC so it was a conversation that never stopped really but uh, because of the issues were so overlapping it made sense uh, to keep in touch with MPs uh, from Ottawa okay you've had a lot of success here in provincial politics
1: why do you want to go to federal politics man that's a long commute going to Ottawa there from Terrace holy smokes
2: Oh, it is, but you know what? Uh, I got uh, used to the travel as chief constable of Hazen Nation and then did more so of it uh, traveling from Kitimat uh, to Victoria. So, yeah, travel is not the best part of it, but uh, the job yeah. and uh, what it means for the, the riding, uh, you know, overrides that travel commitment.
1: Yeah, and what are their What priorities jump out at you? Like, why is this attractive to you?
2: Well, it still hasn't changed in terms of my priorities. Uh, I've always thought about economic development. I've always thought about economic reconciliation. I've thought about the strength of a region, strength of a province, and now strength of a country. Uh, I developed this uh, idea about the strength of a country almost 15 years ago uh, because I studied governance as a Hazard Nation Chief and Council. And so I just thought, where's the best way I can make the biggest impact and help along? with where canada and where the province wants to get to are are you
1: ellis let me ask you this are you doing this because you're in any way because you were worried about getting reelected as a member of bc united i mean we take a look at the opinion polls here we see this bc united party down in the polls uh i've talked to a lot of mlas who are worried about this we've got a provincial election coming up in the fall were you worried that you could lose up there
2: no i wasn't worried about that uh so that played you know, no Kevin, re- Kevin that played Falcon, no role at all. No, well, but you know what? because I, I believe in what Kevin Falcon was doing and saying, and I, yeah. I really I, I really appreciate uh, how he treated me, and we we actually agreed on a lot of principles that I had developed over the years, so I wasn't really worried about that, and I believe that his plan has yet to be unfolded yet, and uh, I, I think that he's going to come out, and he's going to come out fighting, because he believes in the same things I believe in in terms of where BC should be heading. Yeah, but we've got this
1: brutal vote split now. the on the center right, you've got this BC Conservative Party that has come out of nowhere, leading or in second place in almost every poll now. You guys down in third. I imagine this BC Conservative Party would pull a lot of votes up there in Skeena, and that was a bad. Wasn't that a bad situation for you?
2: Uh, yeah, yes and no. But uh, I've had hmm. this uh, scenario before. Uh, I've had conservatives run in our riding. And it's 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 always just uh, appealing to the voters that I've actually tried to appeal to it's uh I, I was really worried about it, and I don't think uh, Kevin's really worried about it either. I think the 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 BC Liberals have yet to unfold their platform fully and I think BC will truly understand it when you when you understand what they're trying to do to actually make life more for for British Columbians like re- did, reducing the gas tax yeah. getting rid did, of the carbon tax. did Kevin Falcon try to talk you out of this? Uh, not really he he understood you know he he's he's been doing this for a long time he understands you know the winds of change in terms of politics i mean he's done yeah. it himself but uh the, the one thing i did tell, tell my party is that uh i i did agree during the leadership race that regardless of the outcome i'd stick around uh, i i i've lived up to that and uh, i didn't want to desert uh, my constituency as well in terms of a by-election so i just wanted to, to make sure that everybody understood what i was planning to do and I, I never, my, my heart was always with the BC Liberals, which is now the BC United Party. Uh, they helped uh, First Nations over the years tremendously, over the 16 years. And they, they were the ones that actually brought the LNG dream to reality in BC. Mm-hmm. Speaking to
1: Ellis Ross, BC United, MLA for Skeena, his jump to federal politics here now, running for the Federal Conservatives in the same riding up there federally um Ella, so you are going to remain on as the bc united mla here through the fall is that is that correct
2: yeah if we get to the fall uh seeing that there's no snap election which uh i i don't <laughs> I, I still think there's a really good chance of a snap election
1: oh, okay how can you stay on as the mla if you're running for a federal party t- at the same time shouldn't you step aside
2: well, the federal regulations say as soon as the RIT is dropped, then you can't be an MLA. At this. So the RIT hasn't dropped for the federal election. And I don't, I don't expect it to be dropped until, what, uh, 2025? Yeah, right, yeah. Well, that could come earlier, too. That could come earlier yeah. as well. You, yeah. you, you don't know. In either yeah. case, snap election for a province or snap election for the, the federal government. Which, in any case, that's why I made this decision early to, to make sure everybody was prepared for it and there was no surprises. Yeah,
1: do you think, uh, do you have any indication that there are any other BC United MLAs who might be considering a, a similar switch if they take a look at these, especially if they take a look at these opinion polls right now and say, hmm, you know what, I think I got a better shot here if I join up with Polyev's team here, run federally. Do you think we could see some other MLAs
2: do the same thing that you're doing? Uh, you know what, I've never heard that in a group discussion. I've never heard it in an individual discussion. I think everybody believes in the the platform that uh, will be released, will make people sit up and take notice and understand that, uh, you know, the only answer is to affordability is through uh, a platform like what Kevin plans to release. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What do you think of, what's your message to the voters up there? And you'll be running in the federal riding of Skeena, Bulkley Valley. And this is a massive, massive riding here includes Smithers, Terrace, Hi to Gwaii. and this is a—it's been an NDP pretty solid NDP seat there for a long time. You got Taylor Backrack is the, is the current NDP MP there, former mayor of Smithers. He's won there twice, I believe. Nathan Cullen was the MP up there, very popular for a long time too. How do you how do you convince the voters there to switch away from the NDP here? What are you going to tell them?
2: Well, I've been listening to Pierre Polyev's uh, lines in, in terms of what his plan is for the Canadian government. I actually agree with them. Uh, I do believe, and this is what I've talked a lot about, and this is what people relate to me, is that I really talk common sense. Um, basically come from a blue-collar background. I'm a First Nation from a small Indian reserve. I know what it's like to live under the oppression of the Indian Act. And so I, I think times are, are calling for a different type of leadership and get back to basics. And so and, I, I think that'll appeal for a lot of people that are struggling to make their way you know, in terms of affordability nowadays. Yeah, and so that would
1: include, I know you're, the thing you're mainly passionate about is natural resources and jobs. Uh, how do you see that translating on the ground up there? you want to see more
2: natural gas drilling? Or... Uh, Go ahead. More than that. I've always talked about forestry and mining, yeah. uh, mainly because uh, I don't like to see people lose jobs. I don't like to see communities dying. And that's what we're seeing with all the forestry mills shutting down all across BC. Uh, we We don't have any permits for any mining. We don't have any permits to get any natural gas out of the peace region to get the gas out of the ground into the pipelines to feed a big project like LNG Canada. And so it's, it's this is basic, simple math. Issue the permits, get the gas out of the ground, get it to Asia. Issue the permits for forestry, get those workers back to work, get the mills up and running again. Don't shut down 30 mills all across BC. That affects families, communities. This is this a narrative I developed over... 15, 16 years, because I watched First Nations get an opportunity to a job and help to build their own lives. This can actually translate to everybody, no matter what your walk of life is, no matter what your race is. Everybody wants a job and they want to be independent and they want to build their future for their kids and their grandkids.
1: How about uh, oil tankers on the coast of BC? What do you think of that idea?
2: Well, it's, uh, the, the ban is only for the northern portion, right? It's right. not for the southern portion, Right. Yeah, and, do you think they and should and lift Niska, that ban? Do you think they should lift that ban on oil tankers on the North Coast? I'll, I'll be very curious to see what NISCA says now because originally, when they put that ban in place, NISCA complained that they weren't consulted. And they had dreams, they still have dreams, but now it's uh, natural gas dreams. Yeah. And so it, I just think that when you're doing something from Ottawa, you've got to take the West's interest into consideration. For too long, I, I feel the West felt ignored. And we're talking about Saskatchewan, Alberta, B.C. We're all in the same boat. And so what I plan to do is actually take my message, what I've been talking about for the last 15, 16 years, take that to Ottawa, and hopefully someone listens over there and saying, B.C., you know, we're, we're part of Canada too. You, you can't just give special rules for us, especially in northern B.C., yep. but have other rules for the rest of B.C. or the rest of Canada. It's, it's just not fair. Alice, thank you for taking the time today.
1: We're watching very closely here as this unfolds, and I appreciate it a lot. Thank you. Thank you, Mike.
3: Honestly, it was the hardest decision I ever made. Like I cried so much. I Teaching is my passion. Like I love my students so much. They know they're loved by me. And like, I just, my reason I went into teaching was to make kids feel welcomed and accepted as they are and to build on their passions. So. Choosing to leave teaching was really hard for me.
1: Okay, that is part of the viral video here. That's a former Saskatoon teacher, her name is Kathleen Germs, and her interview with CBC. And this thing has just gone viral online here, just taking a look at TikTok. 60,000 likes there, 5,000 comments on this video. We're going to play some more clips on it for you here shortly here. She goes into detail about why she decided to quit her job as a public school teacher, largely because she said the lack of supports for special needs kids. Let's discuss with my guest, Carol Gordon. Carol is the second vice president at the BC Teachers Federation. Very pleased to welcome her. Carol, thank you for coming on today.
0: Thanks so much for the invitation,
1: Mike. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks for doing it. And just right off the bat, we just just acknowledge like this is a a teacher based in Saskatchewan and obviously the education systems vary from province to province in terms of supports for special needs kids. And we'll play some more of the clips here for a minute, but when I thought that one of the reasons this is getting so much attention across the whole country is because the things she talks about here, I think, are relevant no matter where you are in Canada. I was wondering your thoughts on it when you listen to this young teacher here talk about her, you know, the stresses that she felt on the job. Is that something you've heard from teachers here in BC?
0: Yes, uh, definitely. It is something that is resonating among uh, the teachers within British Columbia. And I can't speak to the Saskatchewan situation, but I can say that across Canada, the teacher shortage is having an impact on on the classrooms, and it's having an impact on the schools and the system overall, uh, every system out there. So, uh, But the definitely the pressures that teachers are feeling um, uh, because of that, the, the inadequate working conditions definitely is resonating among members uh, across British Columbia.
1: Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that, because one of the things that this young teacher goes into in detail here in this video, and I'll play some more clips here in a moment, are the supports for special needs kids. Can you talk a little bit, Carol, about The situation for special needs kids and education assistance in the BC school system right now, are you satisfied? Are you happy with the level of support for special needs right now?
0: Well, what we know is that consistently uh, over the last few years, probably five years or plus, is there's a $350 million shortfall in the funding that districts need. So districts are spending... Uh, across the province, $350 million more than what the province's fund is uh, providing them for inclusive education. And so what that oh. means is that you're uh, either pulling funding from another program somewhere in your, in your district, or you're uh, shifting people uh, and not providing those supports. So what we're seeing in a teacher shortage is uh, when there's unfilled vacancies, for example, Uh, the first people to provide coverage when there's uh, not a teacher on call available are the teacher librarians, the learning support teachers, the resource teachers, the counselors. They are the first to go in and provide that coverage. And that means that there's no services for the students that they were providing supports for. But we're also seeing a shortage of education assistance as well. And that is one of the the shortages that teachers have identified is that uh, those positions often go unfilled. So, uh, You know, when we have such complex needs and so many students with complex needs, you know, one education assistant may not be enough. And I think that was uh, sort of resonated within the within the video that the teacher from Saskatchewan talked about is how many students there are and how many people we need. So the shortage exacerbates that. But then we've but the shortage in funding, the gap in funding has been there for longer than the most recent teacher shortage.
1: Let's play another, let's play a part of her talking about this here now. So this is Kathleen Germs. This is this young teacher who decided to quit her job. She says because of a lack of support, especially for special needs kids. Have a listen.
3: I left because there's no support for teachers, it's not a sustainable career, I was not able to teach anymore, I was doing every other job, like I was being a social worker, a counsellor, an EA, an EAL teacher, like I'm dealing with all these diverse needs in my classroom, and I and I couldn't keep up with it, and I felt like a failure every day, but I was trying so hard.
1: Okay, I, I, you know, this is such a powerful testimony here, for, I thought, from this young teacher, because she was really speaking from the heart there. And I really believed her when she's talking about she wanted to succeed in this job, but she felt it was unsustainable. Do you ever hear that, Carol, from teachers in BC who say, who have thought about, boy, this is just too tough and I'm deciding to get out of this profession? Is that a problem?
0: It, it is. And I we are seeing, uh, you know, we're talking right now about recruitment and retention within the huh. profession. And so we're seeing the retention issue as being almost the priority right now. Uh, we want to get people into the profession, but then how do you keep them here? And that's the sustainable piece. So we're seeing a high percentage of, of teachers that leave within the first five years. And it's really important to support uh, new teachers and mentorship, but also the sustainability in the working conditions. The, the gap that I talked about in the funding, you know, that gap exists in a, in a variety of places the, there's a, a gap in the amount of prep time that teachers need to plan for the diverse needs of their students. There's a gap um, in the uh, time it takes to get um, diagnoses or designations that would qualify students for support. Uh, you know, that identified support that provides that funding and directs the support into the classrooms. There's, um, so, you know, what we're seeing is, you know, really, it comes down to time, time, people and money, there's a gap in the amount of time people have to be able to do their job efficiently and effectively. Um, The the, uh, gap in the the people that we need both in classrooms, education assistants, uh, the specialist teachers to provide the support for students and that gap in the money that I talked about what,
1: earlier. What, what is the percentage of teachers who leave the profession in the first five years? You touched on that there. What, what actually is that percentage?
0: we're, uh, we've seen numbers between 20 and 25% Wow, uh, the last little while. But when we did wow. a survey recently about why teachers leave the profession, the number one, um, the number one reason, and it's more than, reti- more than retirement is, uh, inadequate working conditions. And so in that survey, uh, the biggest concern of members was that they weren't able to meet their students' needs. They couldn't get the necessary supports. But, you know, I want to be really clear for for the public out there, and parents in particular, is that the care and concern that you heard in the voice of that teacher is what teachers are doing across this province. They care for their students. They are are personally filling the gaps that exist within the system. Uh, So the kids are in good hands. Uh, because of that. But that's the unsustainable aspect of it, is that you can't fill, you can't do your job and then fill the gaps that should have been provided by other people or by other supports within the system.
1: Speaking to Carol Gordon, second vice president of the BC Teachers Federation. So let's listen to a little bit more of this uh, young teacher here, Kathleen Germs here, talking about her decision to quit the profession. That is really interesting, Carol, what you said there, 20 to 25 percent of teachers leaving within the first five years. That's a pretty high percentage uh, to, in my mind. So let's, let's listen to this. Now, here she is describing a situation in her classroom with multiple special needs kids uh, in her class. And this is probably the most dramatic part of the video here. Let's listen.
3: So one day I had a student who was, you know, really dysregulated and really struggling and was, you know, being very violent to themselves and other kids. So I had to, I had no support. So I had to be holding the students and rocking them while I was trying to teach, while my other students who are intensive needs are maybe throwing desks or rolling around on the ground or arguing with other kids, kids who are struggling to focus and sit still. And I'm, I'm trying to teach while I'm rocking and holding the kid back from hurting themselves Or other kids.
1: Okay, you know this is the the picture in your mind here as you listen to that of her rocking uh, a special needs kid who was acting out, trying to calm the kid down, while she has other special needs students in the class acting out at the same time. Carol, I mean, this sounds extreme here, the picture that that's painted there. But does this happen in BC?
0: Well, before I go any further, I want to be really clear that that yeah. kids are are not the problem. Um, sure. It's it's about the lack of supports for the students that have really complex and issue referred to intensive needs. So it's the it's the lack of support for the teachers doing the work. It's the lack of support for the students with those needs. So I just want to really frame that very, uh, you know, as I continue going forward. But sure. what we are hearing is that there is there is violence in the classroom, and it the ability to um, uh to support students who who are dysregulated who um are experiencing um um who, who aren't getting the support they need due to the lack of teachers uh, education assistance uh that that is that story has been uh shared with us we've shared those stories with um uh with the ministry we've uh, you know it's really difficult for teachers to talk about their specific classrooms uh you know, with parents and with, with the public, um, because they their responsibility is to the students and responsibility um, to the learning that's happening in there. So, but that is resonating. And we are hearing that uh, across the province. It doesn't matter if you're in an urban setting or a rural setting, uh, those stories are, are um, happening and mm-hmm. fairly frequently in some, in some places, in some cases.
1: Would, would you say... The bigger problem is the teacher shortage, or is it the shortage of education assistance? Because the EAs are there as a resource to help kids who've got special needs. I have education assistance in my own family, so I'm, I'm very familiar with this job. And it's a difficult job, but it is really crucial and a necessary part of the system, especially we got more and more kids with uh, education certificate. Problems and challenges and behavioral problems. How important are those EAs and how bad is the shortage there?
0: Uh, as an elementary school teacher, I can tell you, um, we appreciate uh, education assistance so much and the work they do and the support they provide to students. Um, and really often it's a, it's a team approach, but I, you know, I will say that it's the shortage is across um, all uh all, the entire workforce, whether it's support staff, teachers, specialist teachers, uh, you know, even admin is uh, there's a shortage there. So what we're hearing is where what we're asking for is a workforce strategy that, that addresses all of it. And and the ministry and government, you know, have engaged us in some, uh, some of those conversations. So we really are hoping for to hear something in the budget coming forward that talks about a fully funded workforce strategy, you know, similar to healthcare to address the shortage that happens you know, we see it in healthcare. It's, you know, the nurses have a very, you know, prominent campaign, but we know that that's not just with nurses. That's everywhere across that, the healthcare system. And it's similar to education.
1: Okay. The budget day is approaching here in BC next month. So we'll watch for that. Carol, thank you very much for coming on today to talk about this. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much, Michael. Have a really good day.
3: the place for produce crisp and fresh
1: as it can be you'll find low low prices on red or white florida grapefruit four for 99 cents and frozen waffles 69 cents and usda choice beef top round steak is a dollar 98
2: a pound Shoprite does it right
1: we save you money shop right Okay, just going back in the Wayback Machine there, just to remind you what the grocery store prices were like in the past. And it wasn't that long ago that prices at the grocery store were a lot lower. Now, this one jumped out at me on, on Reddit, okay? So this was a post on Reddit that went viral. Someone found a flyer from a Loblaws super, supermarket from... 2019. Okay, so we're talking five years ago. Posted this on Reddit. (laughs) You take a look at some of these prices here. This is five years ago, okay? A tub of Philadelphia cream cheese, $2.50. Today it's $5.49. A case of 24 cans of pop. On sale, six dollars and forty-seven cents today. The same product is thirteen dollars. Six hundred gram package of natural smoked ham. That's that's quite a lot of smoked ham. Six hundred grams, seven ninety-nine. Today it's more than sixteen bucks. So a lot of these prices have gone up a lot, and it's got, they've gone up very quickly as well. How can you save money? at the grocery store. Let's talk about that right now. Kathleen Cassidy is my guest, living on a loony on Instagram and TikTok. And Kathleen does an awesome job there helping people save on their grocery bills. Hi, Kathleen. Thank you for coming on again. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for being here again today. Hey, Kathleen, when you take a look at some of these prices from just a few years ago and how much they've gone up recently, I mean, you've been doing this for a while, sort of tracking these prices here. Would what would you say about how prices have gone up at the supermarket recently? like, is this the is this sort of been the over the last year? Is this sort of been the biggest surge you've seen?
4: Yeah, I would definitely say, you know, like everything else, unfortunately, there has been a large surge within the last year. Um, But that being said, I don't want to be all, you know, doom and gloom because there are still ways to save money. And that's really what I try to share on my page. So when you first look at it, obviously, yes, it is a large hit, especially when you're kind of comparing those five years like that article did. Um, But there is still ways to save money.
1: Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that. So, tell me what you do there at Living on a Looney for people who don't know. What do you? What? How do you help people there?
4: Yeah, so my social media pages kind of started and took off really uh, during the pandemic and then obviously now with inflation. And I really just help people save money. So I post anything from grocery flyer breakdowns and deals, showing you how to use coupons, cashback apps to anything kind of like online sales. You know, I just posted like a clothing deal. So anything like that really just to kind of help people save money and change their overall perspective of how you can shop.
1: Okay, let's talk about the flyers because when I go into the supermarket now like quite often you'll see a stack of flyers there near the front of the store I guess it depends which store you go to. Sometimes I will take the time to flip through that and, and see what's on sale. Do you recommend that when you go in because some oft, quite often I don't do it I know what I want to get and I just go right there but maybe I should take the time to take a look at the flyer
4: yeah, so flyers are actually one of the easiest ways that you can save money. So when we're looking at different flyers, if you're fortunate enough to have multiple grocery stores in your area, I always recommend taking, you know, 10, 15 minutes before you go grocery shopping and comparing the flyers. Um, you can do that online or you can you do that on your cell phone with an app called Flip, F-L-I-P-P. Yes. It is the, an app that basically has all the flyers in your area. And what this does is it can kind of help you plan better. And then you're not just going into the grocery store, um, one with the highest prices, but two just kind of throwing stuff in your car. So what I like to do is look at the grocery store flyers, kind of make a list of what do I need this week or what do I think I need? You know, what household staples am I missing? What produce do I need? Um, And then I look for the best deals. I then go to that store and I kind of just do a quick, you know, meal plan. What do I kind of need this week? And that way you're not just throwing things aimlessly in the cart as well.
1: Okay. Boy, you're smart. You know how to plan ahead. I mean, you just come up with a plan and execute the plan. This is what I, what I really like. You have been called an extreme couponer. And I, <laughs> do people still, I mean, do people actually still clip coupons or is that all, is it all gone virtual now?
4: So there are still coupons um, you can find in the grocery store. A lot of people don't really realize this until I point it out. They're like, I've never seen a coupon before. And then, you know, (laughs) they see a video and they're like, oh, I see coupons all the time now. Like, I guess I wasn't looking for them before. So there are still coupons that you can find in stores, buy the products, on the actual packaging themselves. But a lot of things are kind of moving over to that new digital space um, that's kind of evolved within the last year or two. Um, So some stores have digital coupons now that you have to be part of their loyalty program. um, But there's also things called cashback apps that work kind of like a digital rebate as well.
1: Yeah. How about the price matching that a lot of stores have? I was listening to an interview with Galen Weston the other day. He's the Loblaw's CEO, so one of the big grocery tycoons in Canada, and he was pointing out, well, you know, we do the price match, so if you bring in an ad from a competing store and something's on sale, we'll match that price. Do most stores and most chains, do most of them do that?
4: So not all of them do, but a lot of them, a lot of stores do. Yes. So kind of when we're talking in Canada, um, kind of coast to coast, the main ones would be real Canadian superstore, no yeah. frills, fresh go, giant tiger, um, as well as save on foods. So a lot of them will price match exactly what you said. I use that flip app again to bring up the competitor flyer, make sure you have the same product, show that at cash and they actually do adjust that price for you. So once you kind of get the hang of it, I feel like it's a little uh, taunting at first for a lot of people. I always recommend, you know, just kind of take one item price match there and grow, grow from there and then you get used to it. Um, But it can really save you a lot of money, too. Again, it just kind of takes a little couple extra minutes of your time. Um, But being prepared, again, is always the biggest thing. So that way you're not holding up the line and you also feel a lot less anxious doing it.
1: Okay, I've got to check out this app here because I've heard of this Flip app and I haven't really tried it, but I know you are a big believer in this, right? Like, does it really work well?
4: Yeah. So it's a free app that you can download in the app store. And basically what happens is you just put your postal code in the the app and it will show you all the local flyers in your area. So again, if you're fortunate enough to have multiple uh, grocery stores, you know, pet stores, hardware stores, it shows everything. Um, And then you can Mm -hmm. kind of browse from there. You can even make a shopping list right in the app as well. um, Or you can take screenshots, whatever works best for you. And then then you can use that to do your grocery shopping or to price match however you want to use it.
1: Okay. You are a big believer in shopping around. Like you said, look for the prices, look for the stuff that's on sale, and then execute the plan. Would you say, Kathleen, Like, do you spread your shopping around to a whole bunch of different stores and different chains? Are, Are there any particular grocery store chains that you think are doing a better job in pricing right now?
4: Yeah, I, I don't always recommend jumping from store to store because obviously your time and the gas and everything well, is yeah, yeah. money as well. Um, the big thing is to find, again, if you have multiple grocery stores in your area, who has the most on sale that you need that week? Um, go there. And then uh, looking at other aspects, such as who price matches, who has a loyalty points program, like those are all very simple things that don't take a lot of time or effort um, that can help you save. So earning, you know, if we're talking wobblos, those PC optimum points, if you shop at Sobeys or Safeway, earning those scene plus points, it, it can really play yeah. a large part in how much you save and how you can redeem those points to help your overall bills.
1: Okay, Kathleen, keep up the great work. How many followers you got there on social media now? What are you up to now?
4: Oh, I don't even know. Oh, combined, I think over half a million now. It's crazy. Whoa.
1: That's awesome.
4: Yeah. You're doing a so great
1: you're doing great work. It's nice to see. Thank you, Kathleen, for coming on.
4: Thank you so much. Have a good one.